You obviously know Kung Fu. Hey everybody, it's Chris Casamassa, Scorpion from the Mortal Kombat films and TV show, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me tonight is actor, martial artist, best-selling author, instructor, businessman, and probably a secret agent, though he'll neither confirm nor deny that, Chris Casamasa. Chris, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast tonight. Hey, Jeff, man. Happy to be here. Cool. So, Chris, uh, you were part of a lot of formative years with the legendary Scorpion. Now, before you were that character, your martial arts journey had to begin somewhere. So how did all of that start for you? Well, actually, I grew up in the martial arts. Uh, I started when I was very young. I started when I was four years old. My father is the one that got me started in the martial arts because he is the founder and originator of our style of martial arts called Red Dragon Karate. So uh, growing up, my dad was always my hero, and I wanted to be around him, and he was always at the studio, so I kind of put those things together early. But I was always interested in, in doing martial arts, and uh, so there, uh, therefore, I kind of grew up and uh, found my way through martial arts training. I actually have been doing it so long, I, don't, I never remember really wearing a diaper. I just remember running around a little party <laughs> chasing my dad around the studio. So I got my start in there, and now I've been doing it for uh, just about 137 years now. <laughs> You look great for 137. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> is there a, an overall approach to karate that separates Red Dragon from other schools, or is it just a, a different way of, of packaging the whole thing? Uh, the answer is yes to both. My dad started our company in 1965, so we've been doing this now for 53-odd years doing it. But in the, in the time that he started, when he started it, he did something that literally was unheard of at the time, and that is he combined different styles of martial arts. He got his start... When he was in the military, my father was in the Marine Corps, he was uh, stationed in Japan as a military police officer, he fell in love with an art form called judo uh, and actually made his black belt in judo at the Kodokan in Japan. Uh, he was actually, one of the, I think, one of the first five or ten Americans to ever do that. Uh, they made it really hard on him, and he was – my dad's just – he's from the East Coast, uh, which is, I think, where your show is based, but uh, he's, he's also very stubborn and Italian, so he didn't want to quit or give up. <laughs> And uh, he fell in love with that, uh, you know, and uh, and he just studied and, and continued his training in different styles. And, and today my dad actually holds black belts in 10 different styles of martial arts. And although judo is his first love and his baby, he never really liked one more than the other. He just kind of liked them all. So like I said, in the 60s, he did something that was unheard of, and that was combining different styles of martial arts. And, and he has some of the greatest stories about people that would come in and challenge him and people that would tell him he couldn't do this. And because bet, you know, if you're old school martial arts like me, you remember back in the day, like you were either a Japanese stylist or a Korean stylist or an Okinawan mm -hmm. stylist. You didn't mix. You didn't, as they say in Ghostbusters, you don't cross the streams. <laughs> but, uh, my dad's thing was, Hey, this is America. The last four letters of the word American or I can. So if I want to do this, I'm going to do it. And, uh, and you know, it, it's lasted this long. So he obviously did something right. That's great. How large is red dragon today? We have in uh, in the on the east coast of Pennsylvania. We still have our two original schools. I think are still there. We've got twelve locations uh, here in California. We're in Southern California in the LA area. Uh, we've got an active student count of just uh, just shy of three thousand active members. Wow. Yeah. What about you? Are you are you still actively teaching? 
Yeah, man, I, I love it. Like I said, I grew up in it. And although I've, I've gone out and, and done a million things and all of it due to the, the confidence and the focus I got from martial arts, by the way. But my my first passion and love is teaching and sharing my knowledge with others. So I have a school of my own, of course, Red Dragon, that uh, that I run here. It's kind of our flagship location. Uh, it serves as our training headquarters for uh, potential new owners and, and new managers uh, in the system. Nice. Obviously, you've you've mastered it all now. But when you were a student, were you a good student of your own system? Well, I'm going to tell you a secret. I have I have mastered nothing. I'm striving for perfection and working on it. And I think really that people that think that they've mastered something or that they're through learning, ultimately, I believe that they're through. Right? You've got mm-hmm. learning is an ongoing process. Think about this: the martial arts and fighting forms are over 2,000 years old. I mean, there's there's pictures on the pyramids in Egypt of fighting styles and people doing combat arts. So there's really a million things that you can learn and so much to know that it's literally impossible to know it all. But to answer your question, yeah, uh, I, I was a pretty good student. I was a very slow learner. I wasn't as talented or coordinated as a lot of the kids. A, lot, a matter of fact, a lot of the kids that started around the time I started made their black belt before me. And I even mm-hmm. failed my first black belt test. So wow. yeah, and listen, my dad was my teacher, but I failed. And I failed because my dad was my teacher and I thought, well, he's my dad, he'll just pass me. Wow. I have a big awakening coming my way on that one. Uh, So I had to wait a whole nother year to take my black belt test again. And of course, during that year, I did everything I was supposed to be doing the first time and just kept me, which is practicing and perfecting. I'm interested in in this kind of stuff because uh, I'm I'm 46 and I just started learning martial arts because of of doing the show and talking to people like you and other inspirational people who have really developed beyond their martial arts. So Talking is what gave me the inspiration to finally go after it and and try to see what my body can do. That's awesome. And listen, that's the other great thing about the martial arts. It's really never too late to start. It's different than any other sport or activity where you kind of, at a certain age, you kind of skew out. Uh, but martial arts is universal. I mean, you can you can be four years old and you can be 84 years old and you can start training. So kudos to you. Thank you for starting. That's awesome, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, if you had to teach the younger you today, what advice would you give him? Listen to your dad sooner. <laughs> That's probably good advice. How, do, how about making the transition from martial arts to film? Did you always have that in the back of your mind? How did that happen for you? Uh, well, the short answer is yes, it was in the back of my mind. Like many people growing up in the martial arts in the, in the 70s and 80s, I was a huge, huge fan of Bruce Lee. And he was really my inspiration as he was, I'm sure, for millions of people to want to do it because I was like, wow, it'd be so cool to to get on screen and to do that and to showcase it. And, you know, he's the high standard, of course, for, for martial arts action on film. But, uh, yeah, that always inspired me. It was always something I, I wanted to do. Uh, my brothers and I used to do pretend like ninja movies in the backyard with the old VHS cameras and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I was a big fan of, of martial arts movies at a young age. So it was something that I that I wanted to do. And because of the focus and goal setting and the discipline that I learned in martial arts, I was able to accomplish and, and achieve those goals. I didn't start in Mortal Kombat. I started in low budget stuff. I was, you know, extra for this and background for that. And like, like you start at white belt, right? Nobody starts at the top. Uh, same thing with movies, man. It, 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 it took me a, a few years to get up there. And, and when the opportunity presented itself, then I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. And you parlayed that into a role that for better or worse, you probably can't shake no matter how hard you try because to many of my peers, uh, you are Scorpion, and Mortal Kombat was the video game movie to end all video game movies. So, how did that whole thing happen for you? 
Well, it's kind of a long story. So if you have a few minutes, I'll tell you. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of it. But uh, here's how it happened. I had done some smaller, some smaller films. I did a film called Shoot Fighter with a friend of mine, Mike Bernardo, and Bolo Young, who was in Enter the Dragon. So it was really cool to meet Bolo uh, and do that. And uh, I'd done some background work, like in the original Karate Kid movie. So I kind of was getting my feet wet. But uh, I was also very active on the competition circuit. Um, I was out on the, the pro tour here, um, is called the NASCA circuit, which is the North American sport karate tour where I was out actively competing on, on the pro level. And I was, a, I was actually a four time number one open forms champion. I was the best forms competitor in the world for four years in a row. Uh, during that time, I got to meet different producers and directors who would come and watch the finals, the nighttime shows. And they would of course headhunt the, the people who won. And that happened to be me and a few other guys in different divisions. So I got the opportunity through people that I met and I got the, the audition call was happening in LA for, they were auditioning for the background fighters. And of course, I'm sure you're familiar with the film, but that where Johnny Cage fights uh, Goro, they have a bunch of background guys. They're going to cheer them on. Rah, rah. So that, that's what the original audition was for was to be in that. Cause I had not been in an A level film. I'd been in a bunch of B level films and lower stuff. So we went to the audition and there was probably 300 guys there. Uh, I was like, wow, this is insane. Um, to do it. So they asked us to come up one at a time and do their stuff. And this is where I kind of had the advantage because I was out on the circuit, right? So I was already actively competing. So competing against guys, whether it's 300 or 30, doesn't matter to me uh, to do my stuff. Uh, so when I got up to do my stuff, I wanted to do something that would set me apart from anyone else. And they had, uh, and, and I didn't know this at the time, first of all, that the role of Scorpion was, o was open because they told us everything was cast. But they had guys, three guys sitting in a chair that just happened to be the casting director and a couple producers. Uh, they were watching us, so it was kind of like a tournament. So when I went to do my thing, I said, well, I'm going to do something different because there were some guys that went that were pretty good, but I wanted to stand out. So I started doing my performance. I ran right towards the guys in the chair, and I did a jump kick over their head. <laughs> they turned around, and I dove back over the top of them and finished my routine. So wow. I got a call to come back the next day, which was great, and now this – 300 or 200 people that were there is down to about 25 or 30 people. And I was like, wow, man, it's really hard to get into this movie stuff just to be a background fighter. Uh, so we had to do some stuff again. We had to do some weapon stuff. Um, so I did that, uh, did really good. Got a call to come back a third day. So now three days in a row, I have to go back. And yeah. And I, you know, at this point there's just telling us, yeah, come back. We're still doing the casting, you know, blah, blah, blah. Third day I go back, there's just three of us there, me and two other guys. And what happens is they have a movie camera set up, and there's literally like a team of people now, half a dozen people standing around this camera, and they just have us standing there, and they're just filming us. And I was like, wow, this is kind of odd. So a guy walks up to me who ends up – he was the director of the film. Again, I didn't know this because they, they don't introduce themselves in the casting process. Um, but he comes up and he says, uh, all right, you guys, uh, we've, we've got you on film – do you mind taking off your shirt? Now, part part of my problem sometimes is, especially if I get a little nervous, I tend to be a little bit of a smart ass. So he said, do you mind taking off your shirt? And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, well, if it helps me get the part, sure. And I can come back to your trailer too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, you're laughing? Dead stone face. Like, oh. and I'm like, oh, I'm dust. Like, there's no way. Like, so I'm like, well, that joke did not work at all. So we, 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 uh, we take off our shirts and we're standing there and they're filming us. Now I look to my left, the guy on the left of me is like super, like one of those super hairy dudes. The guy on the right of me, he's got a little bit of a pot belly. I'm, I'm flexing. I'm like tightening it up and trying to be as strong as I can. 
uh, and they take the camera and they kind of pan uh, around us a little bit. And then they do like this football huddle around the camera. Uh, the guy walks over to me and he shakes my hand. He goes, welcome to Mortal Kombat. You're going to be Scorpion. Wow. Yeah. That must have blew your mind. It, well, it blew my mind so much it didn't, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me until I walked out of the building. Like when I walked out of the building, all of a sudden I had this automatic smile. My because I mean, in the, I was a big fan of the video game. My two favorite characters were uh, Scorpion and Raiden. Right, those are my, the two I played all the time. So once I got outside, like I couldn't for two days, I couldn't stop smiling. Like I got on the phone, I called my mom, I called my dad. I'm going to be Scorpion in Mortal Kombat, and of course, both of them were like, "You're going to be what and where?" <laughs> they didn't know. Of course, they know now. But uh, so that's that's the story of how I got the how I got the part for uh, Mortal Kombat. That's not too shabby for somebody who failed their black belt test. Yeah, no kidding. Right? <laughs> now, obviously, you had to bring a lot of your martial arts skills to the audition. Did you ever get to actually use a lot of that martial arts in the actual character? And if so, when in my training do I get the sentient chain snake shooting out of my hand? <laughs> well. That's high level. You got to be like an eighth or ninth degree black belt to get that. So that's come on, Chris. I need help here. That's ultimate secret ninja stuff right there. <laughs> sure anyone. That's so funny because the kid, the kid, the number one question kids ask me when they see it is, "How do you make that thing come out of my out of your hand?" I'm like, "That's how I got the part. I can actually do that. So don't make me mad." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, but uh, I got a, I got a ton of input. The fight coordinator Pat Johnson, uh, who did that, he also did the Ninja Turtle movies, ton of stuff. He's he's an awesome dude. But one of his things is. He says, listen, we hired you because you're talented. We want to bring that talent onto the screen. So if you've got favorite moves or things like that that you want to do, of course, I was a big fan of the game, so I wanted to incorporate a lot of the game moves in it uh, and do that. But he gave us a lot of creative freedom. Ultimately, the one thing we couldn't change was the fact that Johnny Cage has to win. So although I did lobby for Scorpion winning and it made having a rematch, but that didn't go over very well. Scorpion would kill Johnny Cage. Come on. You, we know that. That's the other thing that's great about Scorpion is I can never die. I'm already a dead character, right? So every time <laughs> I just get to come back where all the yeah. other characters kind of get killed off. So it's nice. Now, you were a fan before you got cast. After the movie and after all that hoopla and the TV shows, did you remain a fan of the video game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. My kids play the game now. By the way, my kid can destroy me in the game. My son is like <laughs> gotten so good. Like he beats me with me. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's funny. So what went into uh, trying to bring that character to life for you? Because it's easy to look at the, the video game and say, well, you got to do this and you got to throw your hands out like this and you got to do that iconic voice. But um, what else went into bringing that that 8-bit character to life for you? Well, we wanted to make the fight kind of like down and dirty, like gritty. We didn't want to do it too Hollywood style. So we wanted to make it tough. So that's why you'll see there's a lot of close-up stuff. We did a lot of hand-to-hand. -hand. We wanted to kind of even give a little Old West flair as far as like I would punch Johnny Cage in the face. He'd punch me in the face. I'd punch him back. So it was it was really – we just wanted to bring it to life. We wanted to make it like it was, which was a fight for your life. And uh, those opaque contacts, how hard was it to see out of those things? I'm going to tell you. It was almost impossible. Really? Yes. And I could only keep them in my eyes for a couple hours at a time because they weren't just over the, the, the eyeball part. They were as big as my whole cornea. So they had Ugh. to, they had to, the, the makeup and art department had to keep, hold my eye apart. Like someone had to lift up my top lid and my bottom lid <laughs> to put them in because, right, we wanted to look authentic and we wanted to look good. So they, it couldn't just cover one part of my eye. It had to cover my entire eye. And it was literally like being in the middle of a fog bank. Like I could wow. see maybe a couple feet in front of me. So it made the rehearsal and the fighting very interesting. 
to do, especially because when we fought up on the platform, like we were up, we were really up 20 feet in the air mm. uh, on that platform. And it was only a couple feet across. So it was a, it was a very interesting fighting in those things. It, you know, Cause you know, fighting on the, those little platforms wasn't hard enough. Right. right. <laughs> harder. We're going to make sure you can't really see. <laughs> oh, and you have to spin and jump and kick too. Yeah. Which you, which you did, by the way, uh, amazingly well. I wanted, to, I wanted to impress the people I was working for. I wanted to stay true to the character, and I wanted people watching that fight to go, yeah, that's what Scorpion would do. Except yeah, the public loses. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> Good point. All right. Now, after Mortal Kombat, uh, Red Dragon came up again in another incarnation for you, which for me at the time was far cooler than wrestling. Um, and I don't know if you, if you have fond memories, but I'm talking about WMAC Masters, where you kind of played a fictionalized version of yourself as Red Dragon. Mm -hmm. What are your memories about working on that show? Listen, that was a blast. And I did that right after we finished filming Mortal Kombat. So it hadn't even come out yet. Um, people were just kind of hearing about it when we were filming the TV show. But we had such a great cast. The, the producers for that show really had a smart move. They literally hired real martial artists, like guys yeah. and girls that knew their stuff. All the top competitors at the time uh, some, a uh, couple of them were unknown, but they were still super, super talented, uh, and just really shot around everyone's talent, which was cool. Um, you know, and they brought in some great fight coordinators and, and directors to, to shoot the episodes. So, you know, at the time you don't really appreciate it. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, we're trying to all fight for screen time because you know, a dozen people in a 30 minute show, it's hard to get everyone in. But looking back on it, man, we had some, we had some great times. We got to shoot at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, really fun. And listen, when the show went, well, I was lucky because the show went off the air. Uh, I got to retire as a champion yeah. for a WMAC. So that's it. I always uh, thought that that was going to make its way to Universal Studios as some kind of attraction. And I wish it had. They actually were talking about that. We were part, our filming and our shoot, our shoot day was part of the tour in Orlando, uh, at the time when we were filming there. So they would bring the tram through, they'd bring the people through, uh, and they'd have them walk through the, through the balcony and stuff as we were shooting the show. So they'd actually talked about potentially doing that, but the show needed a little more traction. It was on, I think, three seasons. It needed one more season, uh, and then it could have been a, a really, really bigger thing than it was. And what you said that uh, you didn't, maybe you didn't appreciate it at the time. When you were there, did you think to yourselves, this is kind of cheesy, this is all fake? It's sort of like, uh, martial arts WWF or WWE now, but uh, what was the sense on set between all of you actual martial artists? Well, it's not that I didn't appreciate it because I had a great time and a great run on the show. But like I said, literally we're we're battling for screen time, right? So you know it's a it's a thirty minute show. You can't have twelve fights in every episode. You can't have all the stuff. So we really we we're really hungry. All of us wanted to be you know, the guy or the girl out there. And, you know, the producers and the directors did a great job of channeling our energy and focusing us and saying, look, here's how the show is going to go. Here's how it's going to evolve. This is what's going to happen. And then once they did that, then we we're like, oh, okay. Because everyone's worried, you know, in the first season, am I going to get cut? If I lose this fight, am I going to get cut? So nobody wanted to lose, right? Because right. they thought they were going to get cut from the show. And they're like, no, no, we've got long-term plans. Everyone's going to be around, but we've got it. This first season, a couple people have to rise. Next season, a few other people are going to rise. So once they'd sat us down and, and did all that, then things were a lot smoother and a lot better. All for the elusive dragon star. <laughs> That's right. All Everybody wanted that dragon star, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, so let's move off screen. 
you focus a lot of your efforts on helping kids uh, in a number of ways, uh, whether it be through Kick and Fit uh, to combat childhood obesity or your book, Bullyproof Fitness. Tell me about those efforts. Well, listen, uh, as you know, childhood obesity and bullying, unfortunately, go hand in hand. And unfortunately, they're becoming more and more commonplace instead of less. And especially with the obesity thing, I mean, kids as young as 10 or 11 years old are now being diagnosed with diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol. And those are things that normally adults only get. Mm -hmm. Now it's happening in kids. It's diet. It's lifestyle. So ultimately what I'm trying to do is do my part to help end that. And But, you know, the obesity and the bullying. And listen, kids are evil bastards. I'm going to say it. They are mean. And there's been a number of studies that have been done that, that say literally close to 92% of all kids that get bullied are bullied because of either A, their looks, or B, their body shape and type. Their color, their skin, or their race really is like in the bottom 3 or 4%. But having those two things in a 90% is bad news. So I created Kick and Fit Kids to help with the obesity problem. I started Bullyproof Fitness to go around to schools, both public schools, private schools, and martial arts schools around the country to do our bully defense seminars to teach these kids to be more aware, more self-confident, uh, and just more alert. And not only that, there's a lot of kids sometimes that I deal with and teach them these things, they don't even realize that they're doing bullying behaviors themselves. So mm -hmm. I teach and train the kids and the adults that are watching what to look for in a bully and what to avoid so that they don't get be labeled a bully or become one. It's so hard uh, as a parent. Uh, I have three three daughters, um, and uh, my two younger daughters actually joined the martial arts class with me. So they're seven and nine. And I did it so that they had some foundation to uh, to kind of cope with that if that kind of thing ever got to that level for them. And it's, it's hard as a parent to watch that and seeing that happen and not being able to defend them all the time, right? It, that's, that's tough. It's tough to see. So it, I appreciate stuff like this, stuff like Bullyproof Fitness that will give kids the tools that they need to, to, to protect themselves when they had to. Right. Exactly right. And again, kudos to you for getting your daughter started. I have a daughter as well and a son. When my daughter was four years old, she started training in the martial arts. She didn't have a choice. And anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you have a daughter, you get them enrolled in the martial arts immediately. One out of every three women in their lifetime, one out of three, will be sexually assaulted or attacked. Those are FBI stats. Those are nationwide stats. If you have a girl, the likelihood of her being attacked or sexually assaulted is one in three. Look at all the stuff that's going on in the media now with adults and the Me Too movement and all this other nonsense that's been going on for years. If you have a daughter and you hear my voice right now, you need to sign them up in martial arts. If for no other reason that they'll have enough confidence, right? Not only bullies, but sexual predators look for people that are unsure, that are unfocused, that are meek and mild. So the things and the skills that you learn in the martial arts, the way you carry yourself, the way you look into the person's eyes when they're talking to you, the confidence and self-assured behavior that you exhibit, that sometimes can be enough to keep someone from attacking you or trying to sexually assault you. So it's a very serious topic. It's something I'm very passionate about, especially with girls in today's society. They must, must do it. Guys should do it too. Listen, if everybody in the world studied martial arts, the world would be a much better place, right? Discipline, focus, courtesy, respect, all those things are taught in proper martial arts schools. And if that is taught at a young age and it's instilled, it carries with them for the rest of their lives. That's why my son's doing it. That's why my daughter's doing it. That's why I teach hundreds and thousands of kids around the country and around the world on how to be bullyproof, fit, confident, and strong. 
Wow, one out of three. That is a sobering figure. Yeah, sorry. There's my that was my uh, my two minute soapbox thing right there. But it, you touched on something I'm very very passionate Absolutely. about. Absolutely, and and uh, you know, major kudos to you for going into that. But when did it become so important for you to focus on some of those challenges? Well, listen, it's always been important. I've been teaching full time since I was 15 years old, so it's always been an important thing. But really, the, there's two things that drove it home for me. One, uh, back in 2010. I was reading an article, I think, in the USA Today newspaper that was talking about the statistics of childhood obesity and how it was becoming an epidemic. This is eight years ago now um, for that. And the, the second thing, even before that, was when my daughter was born. I realized, like you said, I can't be there for her all the time. And there's going to come a time in her life, unfortunately, that somebody's going to try and do or say the wrong thing to her. But she's trained enough now that like, I hope it never happens to her. And I, I say this all the time in interviews. I hope it never happens to her, but if it does, like I would like to be a fly on the wall because I want to see her beat that guy's ass. Mm, right, and like you said, uh, it doesn't it it doesn't take much to get them interested in martial arts uh, if you if you get them there and you show them what what they can do with it. Uh, I brought them with me to class, and that's all it took for them to say, "Can I do that too?" Yeah. Yeah, my kids the same way. They they wanted to be around dad and they wanted to hang out and do what dad was doing. That was cool. But listen, both of my kids wanted to quit at least four times on their path to black belt. But my job as a parent is to say, listen, I know what's good for you. I know what you need. And I did not let them quit. Now, of course, they both love it. They're doing it. They're both black belts now. They're moving, they're grooving, and they're awesome. But there were times in their training, like my wife would call me on the phone, like, they don't want to go today. They don't, they want to quit. I'm like, just get them through the door. That's all you got to do. So any parent that's listening, if their kid's in the martial arts, they're going to come to you at some point and go, I want to quit. That's the moment that as a parent, do your job. Say right. no, because in the end, it'll be worth it. Achieving a black belt in the martial arts is a huge, huge goal. Not only does it build the self-confidence, but listen, that looks good on a resume. Your kids are going to try to go to college or get into private school. Man, becoming a black belt shows discipline and focus and commitment, things that admissions officers look for when they're deciding who to take yeah. into the school. Now, um, we actually just got back from class, and my, my daughters just earned their red stripe, and they beamed. So it, it was great to see that, that yeah. they, were, they felt accomplished. Yep. Great. Congratulations to them. <laughs> Elm Thanks. Scorpion said congrats. Nice. Ah, oh, they'll love it. <laughs> All right. Um so, uh, you ready to do a quick lightning round? I am ready. All right. <laughs> quick answers right off the top of your head. Ready? Yep. What is your strongest punch? Reverse punch. What's your strongest kick? Spin hook kick. Nice. Is there a uh, combo that you like to break out when you want to wow the crowd as a showstopper? Yes. Uh, backside 540. Ooh, nice. Can you still pull that off now? I can. You know what's funny? I can do some better kick combinations now at my age than I could when I was competing in my prime. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's why I, I've never mastered it all. I'm continuing to work. I don't sit back on my laurels. My job is to try and make myself better than I was yesterday. No matter my age, I'm going to keep pushing through, keep doing my best. And uh, I, just to touch on that, I, I follow you on Instagram, and I think today you posted uh, a challenge that you just went through. At, at, you did like 200 – uh, push-ups, you did all of this stuff and you had to do it in under 30 minutes because of something that something that inspired you at a martial arts business summit that you just had. Yeah, I was just speaking. Uh, I was in your neck of the woods in New York and uh, speaking at the martial arts business summit. 
which is called Mavs for short. But I was one of a dozen speakers that were there. I got to hear this guy named Jesse Itzler, uh, who wrote this book, Living with a Seal, and his talk and, and his experience with it. And uh, it really inspired me to be like, wow, okay, I thought I was doing a lot. I'm not doing enough. Because the story of this seal, and if you haven't got the book, man, I highly recommend it, Living with the Seal by Jesse Itzler, uh, is a great book. And it, it inspired me to do it. He I basically hired this Navy SEAL that he met at a race uh, to live with him for 30 days and to work him out. And the SEAL's only uh, request was, you do whatever I say, whenever I say it. And so he did. He moved in with him, trained him for 30 days. And the book tells a story, which I cannot do justice, but it is amazing and incredible um, and the, and the Navy SEAL is just one, one tough, determined, gritty dude. Uh, it's a great, it's a great story. So I was like, all right, screw it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I'm going to, I'm going to try to work out because my, I usually work out every other day. So I read this book and I'm like, to every day. So now that's it every day for the next 30 days, I'm going to do some type of workout where I have to do at least a hundred of something, uh, whether it's a martial arts workout or a weight workout or a physical body strength workout, uh, I'm going to do it. And it all has to be done. Ultimately the goal for me which I just made for myself is I got to do it in 30 minutes or less, right? I don't want to spend two, three, four hours in the gym. I want to get in there. I want to burn. I want to pump and I want to get out and I'm going to start some chronicling it, uh, in there. I'm on day five of my 30 day journey, uh, in it. And man, it's crazy. I am sore in places that I didn't know I could be sore. In. <laughs> it looked like you were burning through those, uh, th those workouts though. It looked good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just keep following me on Instagram every couple of days. I'll post some stuff and, and chronicle the journey. Nice. All right. Uh, on the flip side of that, what cheat food is your kryptonite? Well, man, I'm I'm Italian, so anything pasta, especially if I'm in New York, man. Pomodoro's pizza, ooh, in <laughs> Italy, that's my mojo right there, man. Nice. And the and the cannoli king. Oh yeah. Is it cannoli king? Forget about it. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. All right. Um, beer, wine, or whiskey? Scotch. Single malt. Uh, yeah, I'm a Johnny nice. blue kind of guy. So, Hey, if you ever want to get me a gift, a bottle of Johnny Walker blue, I'm all about it. <laughs> all, right, all right. So all the Chris Castle fans out there, Johnny Walker blue. You heard yeah, it. there you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, what move would you have used to defend against Daniel LaRusso's crane kick from karate kid? Sweep the other leg. <laughs> Don't run in with your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get him a body bag. Yeah. What's your favorite classic Kung Fu movie? The Master of the Flying Guillotine. And that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a cool one. They were men, they were flies. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. And uh, final question for the lightning round, and I'll erase it if you get it wrong, but what's your favorite podcast about kung fu and martial arts movies? The Kung Fu Drive-In. <laughs> You're the man. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. All right. So what's what's in the pipeline for Chris Casamassa? Uh, two things. One, we're, they're working on taking my book, Bullyproof Fitness, uh, into an animated series for kids. Oh, which, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We've got some people that are, are, that are interested in it. Some of the, the producers from the original Mortal Kombat films uh, are on board with this as well. They believe in what I'm trying to do to help kids. Uh, and I can't be everywhere, right? I can't go to every school in the country or in the world, but I can send the signal out through an animated series. So we're working on that. They're actually going to, fingers crossed, we've got some of the preliminary stuff back and it looks pretty good on an animated series to help kids deal with bullying uh, and to help end the bullying epidemic. And uh, the other thing I can kind of talk about is I'm in the works to do another movie that hopefully will be out next year. Uh, which uh. All the things aren't signed. 
It's not the next Mortal Kombat film. That <laughs> that thing is uh, in limbo for perpetuity, it seems like. But uh, uh. if they do do it, I, I do hope I'm involved with it. So people from Warner Brothers are listening. you got to bring back the original Scorpion, man. More butts will be in seats, I promise. Oh, totally. Rock that thing. Rock it. Uh, but yeah, I got a couple a couple things in the work, and then I'm out speaking and traveling. I, I'm doing a lot of martial arts events. I'm going to a lot of schools and martial arts schools, uh, and speaking and helping them grow their business so that they can live a better lifestyle and impact more people in their community. So uh, it's a nonstop whirlwind tour for me. That's awesome. Where can my audience go to find out more info about you and about Red Dragon Karate? Uh, well, if you're in California, you can just go to RedDragonKarate.com. I mean, that's worldwide. But if you're not in California, I really can't help you too much. But uh, my name, Chris ChrisCasamassa.com. Uh, I'll let you spell it for him, Jeff. You can drop in the links in there uh, somewhere. Or if they want information on Bullyproof Fitness, they can go to BullyproofFitness.com. And then uh, my coaching and consulting stuff is at the Dojo Doctors, because I have the cure for the common dojo. The Dojo Doctors.com. Nice. So any of those, or they can follow me on all the social medias. There's always a way to find me. Cool. And uh, yeah, if you if you follow him on Instagram, very active on Instagram. He's got a lot of stuff going on there. So good content. So check him out there. And I will post links to all of that in the show notes. Best Instagram to follow me on is Real MK Scorpion. Chris Casamasa, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk with me. Inspirational. Uh, you, you're doing some great work out there. And I, I wish you the very best of luck. Thanks, Jeff, man. Appreciate being on your show. So I may or may not have mentioned this on the show before, but Mortal Kombat holds a special place in my heart. Because the night that I saw it with a bunch of my co-workers, we all left that theater amped to the gills and spoiling to fight any outworld demons that we could get our hands on. Now, a lot of that energy came from Scorpion himself, and in speaking with Chris, it's easy to see the source of that energy. Much thanks to Chris Casamassa for spending some time talking to me and sharing some of his film and martial arts experience, as well as his laudable efforts to help kids take care of themselves health and safety-wise. I'll leave a link to all of the places you can get some info on Chris, Kick and Fit and Bullyproof Fitness, as well as all his socials, so check him out and follow him for some great info or to just get some inspiration. Speaking of inspiration, all us podcasters love what we do because we get to talk about stuff that means something to us. One of the best parts of podcasting is getting in touch with others who share that passion. So I need to shout out a few guys who've talked with me over the last few weeks. There's Colin from across the pond in the UK who I chatted with a bit about my martial arts journey and who said that he enjoys the show. So shout out to you, Colin. There's Mayer, and I hope I'm saying that right, who's also been a longtime listener and also had some kind words about the show. So shout out to you. And then as I was editing this show tonight, I got a message totally out of the blue from a relatively new fan, Andrew, who started listening to the show about three weeks ago. But he mentioned that in that three weeks... He has burned his way through almost all of my shows to date. Now, I'm up around 80 plus shows, so Andrew has been seriously putting in the work to get caught up. Anyway, I'm going to read what Andrew wrote, which was in a word awesome. Andrew writes, Just wanted to send you a quick message to say I love your podcast. You discuss the very movies that I have loved for years and which have kept me training in martial arts for almost 20 years. Please, please keep this podcast going as long as you can, as I can't get enough of it. Kindest regards, Andrew. So, of course, I thanked him, and he sent back another note a little bit later as I was talking about this episode. He wrote, I'm excited for the episode. Your interviews are a real highlight of the show, though every episode is fantastic. So, of course, I thanked him, and we got to talking about training and how he uses my show to help him get through some rough nights with a newborn member of the Poison Clan. He's got two kids now, and I wished him well and was glad that my show helped him out even a little bit. The most important thing I told him was that without listeners like him... 
I'm just a dude talking to myself in a makeshift studio. So as always, Poison Clan, many much thanks, many, many much thanks to you, Andrew, for writing that awesome note. As for other podcasts that you may find interesting, head over to Twitter and check out the Castaways hashtag for some awesome content from movies to monsters under your bed and everything in between. Meanwhile, follow me on all the socials. Until next time, Poison Clan, peace. The 2018 UASC will take place Saturday, November 10th at AMC Theaters Times Square, featuring five theaters with over 60 hours of action content from 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. That's right, Action Junkies, we're having a 14-hour action film megathon, showcasing the latest indie action film content and continuing last year's launch of Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, featuring Shaw Brothers Kung Fu Classics and honoring the 40th anniversary of Five Daily Venice. Please join the Urban Action Showcase Diversity and Action Initiative, celebrating the past, present, and future multicultural achievements in the blockbuster action genre. As a platform, we advocate diversity and inclusion through our International Action Film Festival, Action Expo, and Action Film Awards platform to promote multicultural heroic images in order to change the dynamic of mainstream media. you to be a part of the action by pre-purchasing a 2018 event pass for yourself or a friend. Master, Sanjay is finished. We can attack the city. Mm. Plan rocks the world. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea roaming over the land. Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars. Fight for the cars, then pass here. The blast on the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here, David D is coming back. The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster. The channel little drink because he is the drunken master. Once upon a time, a shiner. Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see, Maggie Chung is finer. Golden Swallow has arrived. Chang Chi movies will the hero will survive. We've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain, gonna fight. May as well pick the spot. Yeah, the sky goes black, cut the vampire's back. We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all, so stand back. He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword. And our sword will travel until his body's on floors. Yeah, Wing Chun Shaol in the mountain style. Yeah, the Feed the enemy and watch you run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! 
this time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time and giant account on the TikTok The Shogun Assassin slash your blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor and the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed The fist of legend that the car jelly I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, spending for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war To smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, spending for some action Drink a little wine